nerds, and welcome back to your weekly movie review podcast. That's right, you are locked in and tuned in to the 3 FN Podcast. And of course, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. This week, we are reviewing the brand new film, Silent Night. And of course, I'm your host, Rich, and the nerds are all here. Firstly, he is the man that after seeing Silent Night, went out and bought not just one, but two churros for no fucking apparent reason, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Ron. Just because I had to give the kids money, too. Duh. Ah, I like it. And of course, he is the man that doesn't need an introduction, yet he has the longest introduction in all of podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, this is hashtag Big Natty Cool, hashtag Mad Dog Strong Style, hashtag Challenge Accepted, hashtag Diesel Malenko, because he's the man of a thousand and four hashtags. He is the leader of the Minnows Gang, and is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster. He's the man, the myth, and the legend rolled into one jolly old ginger-bearded feller. I give to you, Diesel. From this moment out, I'm only going to speak like the main character from Silent Night. That is going to be terrible podcasting, but hey, it's your prerogative, (laughs) sir. You can do what you want to do. Well, uh, we are coming to you a day late. That is because I was out of town, and uh, yeah, I was a lot, uh, very, very tired. It's a long drive from where we live to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and back. So... Uh, with that, I'm sorry that we're a day late. Hey, but you're still getting the show. You're still getting the 3FM Movie Club review of Silent Night. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But before we dive into the show and all the fun stuff, Ron, how has been your week? Unfortunately, I have to be the Debbie Downer. My week kind of sucked. Uh, Friday, I had to make the hard decision to put down my cat, Bailey, who I've had for the last 10 years. Um, she got her from the Humane Society. Long story short, I knew the previous owner. She got in some trouble. Mom said, I'm getting rid of all the animals. So, of course, I walk into PetSmart, and there's Bailey looking at me 10 years ago. So, I picked her up, got her at her home. So, she, you know, I had to make that decision, unfortunately. Not to bore you with the details, but she wasn't eating decreased in, in no bowel movements, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it was just... One of those things, the other cat was actually more attacking her than playing with her because there was some chunks of fur around, so he knew what was happening, too. So it was just one of those things I had to make that call Friday morning and go, all right, let's go. And, you know, obviously it sucked because, you know, putting any animal down sucks. But, you know, it's like, all right, you know, you feel bad because you drop them off. Basically, I didn't really need to see it happen because, let's face it, People think it's, they say putting to sleep. No, they, they, they twitch, people. <laughs> they twitch when they get the shot, people. That's, so don't ever be like, hey, let me see it. You don't need to see that. Just enjoy your memories and have a good one. But, you know, that, you know, put me down for the weekend and all that stuff. But, you know, it's there. That's unfortunately, it was my week. Yeah. <laughs> Very sad. And that's why we will not play the sounder that we normally play for you. <laughs> so sorry about that. Yeah. And uh, Diesel, hopefully you have. To something to uplift everybody. Next thing you know, he's going to be like, I got the clap. <laughs> <laughs> well, he clapped. <laughs> <laughs> I had a solid week. Um, just been working. Uh, worked here over the weekend here at Dragon Master Games. And then my plans Saturday night changed. So I wound up uh, going to dinner with uh, everybody from here over to Camp High for the first time. It's so, not bad. Yeah, that was fun. Um, 
the the melting snow drinks were really good, but then uh, I started getting the ones with alcohol in it, and those were even better. <laughs> uh, but it was a fun time. Um, my first hibachi experience. It, it was enjoyable. And did, did you catch the shrimp? I, I <laughs> yes, I, I I with the assist of my hand, but I caught the nice. shrimp. The entire time ahead of time, though, I was like, I'm not lining up like a goddamn circus seal. <laughs> but then I fell for the goddamn peer pressure. You do, <laughs> you do, <laughs> whatever. Everybody falls for the peer pressure, damn it. Uh, well, uh, my weekend, I went down to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to go to a Steelers game with the kid, and uh, we enjoyed ourselves other than getting rained on because there was a thunderstorm that happened. It was a very uh, unseasonally warm day in Pittsburgh, so that was nice, and then all of a sudden thunderstorms came through. That's what happens when it's unseasonally warm. Uh, but yeah, it was still fun and good time, even though Steelers lost. It was still a good time, and uh, we had a good weekend out of town. It's always nice, but a long drive. It's like a five-and-a-half-hour drive, but it's like... For us, where we lived there, the best way to go is like mostly back roads. So it's like a, a very like you keep changing speeds, and that always makes driving kind of suck a little bit. That's why I, I got back into town it was like four fifteen and peek behind the curtain, and we usually record about at five o'clock on Mondays. And I'm just like, uh, can we do it tomorrow, guys? I'm just I beat. I'm fucking beat. Yeah. So uh, here we are. You guys are now. If you're on Patreon, you got it Tuesday night. If you're on. Uh, the, the regular feed, you got it on Wednesday. So you still get the show, you still get the review. So that's how we always look for it. At least you got the show. Well, I hope everybody out there had a great week. And I hope you have a great upcoming week as well. But before we dive into the show itself, it's time to pay them bills and do some opening shameless plugs. Of course, if you would like to find out anything at all about the 3FN Podcast, it's simple. Go to 3FNPodcast.com. There you'll find all the social media links. You'll find the T Public link. You'll find the link to Patreon, patreon.com slash 3FN Podcast. And if you join now for as little as $1 a month, you'll be able to hear the Godzilla Minus One review before anybody else. We will be putting it out to the public, but it's coming out first for our patrons at the same night that the uncooked edition of the 3FN Podcast drops, which does every week. On top of that, we have the 3FN Horror Show that comes out monthly and 3FN Rewind. So you're going to want to check that out and get a ton of extra bonus content. Next up, uh, make sure you check out all the other links there, including Friends of the Show, which will take you over to Good Friends, the Ocho Duro Parley Hour Podcast. Check out Ken M and the gang over there. They'll take you right to their website. You can stream their show right from the website as well. Also, on top of that, while you're at it, make sure you visit nerdinitiative.com. Check out everything Nerd Initiative has to offer, including the fact that you want to be uh, subscribed to the Nerd Initiative YouTube channel, especially if you're a pro wrestling fan, because on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, myself and Ken M from the Ocho Duro Parley Hour Podcast talk pro wrestling on wrestling night live on the nerd initiative youtube channel plus we do pre and post for every ple and pay-per-view from the two major companies in the u.s that would be aew and wwe and much much more to come very soon also while you're there check out the uh, show that ken hosts turn a page it's on every tuesday night at 8 p.m eastern standard time as well uh, on top of that, there is the musical directory where the bands that allow us to use their songs so we don't get hit with those dreaded DMCAs are. And we're going to give a big shout out to our good friends Shout at the Robots, whose song Fail Better is the theme song you hear at the beginning of every episode of the 3FM Podcast. Make sure you're following them on Bandcamp, YouTube Music, and Spotify. And last but not least, there's the sponsorship page where the sponsors who uh, make it so we don't have to have put those pesky commercials in are. So big shout out to our sponsors, Rex Rides Auto Detailing, Sci-Fi Horror Fest, W Energy, and of course our main sponsor, Dragon Master Games. For all your Magic the Gathering gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web, DragonMasterGames.com. 
And of course, if you're in the 607, like the Facebook page, Dragon Master Games, to find out about all the events going down at the shop. And of course, if you forget anything that I just rambled off there, you know, the 3FNpodcast.com's got your hookup like big Papa Pump. So just visit the website and it'll all be right there at your fingertips. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time that we've gotten all the business out of the way. We've got the pleasantries out of the way. Let's dive in this week's show. And you know, we like to kick it off with... Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome to Diesel's movie, Triple Stuff. Alright, we got a interesting box office this week. Coming in at number 5 for its second week, Wish with $7.7 million. Still a little low for a Disney movie. I think that's weird because it looked good. I, don't, yeah. I haven't heard anything bad about it. Coming in at number 4, another kid's movie. We have Trolls Band Together with $7.8 million. That's been out for a few weeks now, so it's, it's still hanging in there. So good for them. Uh, debuting this week at number three, Godzilla minus one with $11 million domestic. Yeah, and that was uh, just a limited open, too. I mean, I know it opened in a lot of theaters, but uh, it was only supposed to run for a week. It did so well that they're actually uh, keeping it around for a little longer. Uh, coming in at number two this week, The Hunger Games, The Bale of Songbirds and Snakes with $14 million. You know, they are. Uh, I think they're still far way away from their, their amount, but hey, at least they're still hanging in there. They didn't drop <laughs> completely off the edge of the earth like a certain other movie. And then debuting this week at number one, Renaissance, a film by Beyonce with $22 million. These these concert films, man, <laughs> I tell you, I, I'm not complaining about them, but man, they're just taking it by storm. There's a lot of things that uh, did not make the list that probably should have made the list. But Diesel, now that we found out what the box office currently is, what's coming to the box office in the next couple weeks? All right. Coming out this week, we have Poor Things starring Emma Stone. We have the animated uh, Ghibli Studios film, The Boy and the Heron, uh, Eileen. And then next week we have, doo -doo -doo, uh, on December 15th, we have Wonka, Control, starring Kevin Spacey. <laughs> hey. And hey, Concrete Utopia. <laughs> well, I can tell you next week we are doing a fans pick because we're going to go in the Wayback Machine. So uh, next week it'll be a surprise. I'm going to release on Saturday what that pick's going to be. And then, of course, the following week we will be uh, reviewing Wonka for the 3FN Movie Club review. By the way, if you can, if you hear any noises in the background, it's because since we're recording on a day that the shop is open, because usually we record on Mondays when the shop is closed, it is a very much, our studio is a very much in a live game shop. So uh, you tend to hear those noises. So if you do hear them, that's what it is. There's actually customers playing games in the game shop uh it's part of the the uh, what's the the allure of us being at a real life game shop but diesel let's finish out diesel's movie triple stuff strong with this week's top three this week's your top three favorite revenge kills in tv or movies all right so i'm gonna go with uh, my top three and it's gonna be funny because two of them are in the same world well not the same world but the same kind of world Ooh. uh number three though i did go the horror route Trent from the Friday the 13th remake oh, in 2009. Yes. Uh, okay. he, was the, he was everybody's uh, hateable asshole. And yes. when he finally got spiked on the back of that uh, tow truck, we all cheered Jason on. Yes. Uh, number two from the movie Goodfellas, Tommy DeVito. Uh, Joe Pesci made no. the wrong kill, and he ended up getting yeah. uh, smoked for it as well. Yeah. But that wasn't the best time that Joe Pesci's ever died. No, it was in another Martin Scorsese film. That would be Casino, Nicky Santoro, and uh, hey... 
When you fuck up as bad as he did, you get beat to death in your in your underwear with your brother and buried alive. I'm just throwing it out there. Probably one of the most gangster kills, pun intended, True. of all time. Ron, what's your top three? All right, it's been a minute since I've seen this one, and I believe it was the kill at the end. The hunt where uh, Crystal killing Athena at the end uh, was a pretty uh, solid movie, too, altogether. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with uh, uh, Django. Going back to Candyland and just, Django. just I know, D-Silent Django. Damn you, Django! <laughs> I know the D-Silent, but I like saying it with the well, D. Well, no, I always do it because yeah. of uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And uh, going back to Candyland and just wrecking face at the end of that movie. And then number one, we're going with Connor McCloud from Highlander killing Kruger. Oh, all right. Yeah. yeah, okay. And then you're up, Diesel. All right, coming at number three, we have the movie Gladiator with Maximus killing Commodus. Uh, number two, we're going with my favorite TV show, The Wire, when Slim Charles finally puts a bullet in Cheese's head. Okay. Oh, good, dude. That's a good one. And then number one, Law Abiding Citizen, with um, not the smuggling in drugs into the death um, sentence drugs. No, the other guy that had the tin snips and the razor cutters and all that stuff. Ooh. Oh, don't fuck with a law abiding citizen. <laughs> oh, jeez. You're going, you're going dark on that one. <laughs> Way to go, Diesel. Uh, great top threes. If you would like to add to our the top threes, go ahead and uh, send them to us. We'd always like to hear from you fine folks out there listening. But now that we've exited Diesel's movie triple stuff, there's only one thing we do, and that's to enter. Welcome to Three Offense Movie Club. Refreshments are available in the lobby. And please, keep our theater clean by disposing of trash in specified containers. And remember, gift certificates are available for any special occasion. Enjoy the show. That's right, it's time for this week's 3FN Movie Club Review, and we are reviewing the brand new John Woo film, Silent Night, this week on the 3FN Movie Club Review. And of course, uh, if this is your first time joining us here on 3FN Movie Club, or the 3FN Podcast, I should say, thank you for giving us a shot. We hope you stay around and uh, watch some older uh, episodes and stay with us for the newer episodes as well. And of course, if you uh, just need a touch-up, I'm going to give everybody their little warning of how we do new movies here on the 3FN Movie Club Review. And of course, we do it in two sections, a spoiler-free section and a spoiler-full section. In the spoiler-free section, we are going to go over the stats of the movie. We are going to go over the, who made the movie, who starred in the movie, and then we are going to give our thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, or thumbs down, spoiler-free recommendation before we take a break. When we come back from the break, we'll give you one final warning before jumping into the full spoiler review, followed by the game where these two gentlemen will play the game to figure out all the uh, scores from around the internet. Before finally, and I mean finally, giving our scores for the movie, in this case, Silent Night. Gentlemen, are you ready to talk about Silent Night? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Well, Diesel, you're up first because... Man, I got a story to tell! When his child is killed by an accidental drive-by, months later, man reinvents himself to take down a mid-level drug lord. Huh? 
I, I, there you go. I, I couldn't have done it better myself, sir. Well, of course, uh, Silent Night was released on uh, December 1st of 2023 with a runtime of 104 minutes. That's an hour and 44 minutes if you want to break it down that way. Uh, currently, I do not have the box office in front of me, but I didn't dive too deep on it. I, I, uh, I know it debuted domestically at ninth place this week with no, three point. No, I have oh, that. Oh, the budget. Of oh, the, the budget. The, the box office. I've made it set it backwards. The box <laughs> office is, is $3 million. Pretty much. $3 million, And that's also it's worldwide because it only opened here in the U.S. Uh, it's only opening. The, 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 I don't know how much money it lost is all I'm going to go with. Uh, with that, uh, we are going to move right on over to... Who made this shit? Of course, I already mentioned it. This movie was directed by legendary action movie director... John Woo. You know him from A Better Tomorrow, Red Cliff, Hard Boiled, and of course, one of Diesel's favorite movies of all time. Ron, say it with me now. I'm going to take his face off. Uh, so we have to uh, also, we are contractually obligated when we talk about face off. Ron, what is the line that we have to say to make uh, Diesel skin crawl? I could eat a peach hours. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Uh, the writer of this film was Robert Archer Lynn. Uh, Robert Archer Lynn is known for the movie Adrenaline, Dead Box, Yard Sale, and Prisoner. If you haven't heard of them, neither have I, so that makes two of us. Uh, next up, cinematographer of this film was Sharon Mir. Sharon Mir uh, is known for the movie, uh, the, the DP on the movie Whiplash, Coach Carter, Mean Creek, and the remake of Last House on the Left. Okay. So pretty good stuff right there. Also, I will also like to point out he was uh, uh, really heavily involved in Mean Creek. He was also one of the writers of the film. Okay. And last but not least, and the people who made the movie is the composer and this composer the composer of this movie was marco beltrami uh marco beltrami uh did the i robot world war z knowing hellboy to name a few movies that he's been the composer of uh, most recently before this his last we've reviewed his last three films four films counting this one 2023's plane 2023's renfield and 2023's the nun 2 which uh we uh, yeah 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 uh, I'm not taking out on him. He just was the composer. <laughs> so now that we know who made the movie, it's time to find out who started it. For the love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some scars? So playing the role and the starring role, if you will, of Brian Godlock is going to be Joel Kinnaman. And Joel Kinnaman, you might know him from The Killing. The RoboCop remake where he played Alex Murphy, a.k.a. RoboCop. He was Rick Flagg in the uh, first Suicide Squad movie, not the uh, second one. And uh, he was also in uh, For All Mankind. So he's done some, right. some different things. Uh, next up in the role of Saya would be Catalina Sedino Moreno. Uh, you would uh, know her from movies such as Maria Full of Grace, A Most Violent Year, The Bridge, and Paris Jetamai. Amongst other things, uh, she's uh, next up, Kid Cudi playing Detective Vassal. Uh, of course, you know Kid Cudi from being in, in, in a DJ, rapper, uh, producer extraordinaire. But uh, you also might remember him uh, from a little movie we talked about called X. He was also in uh, Need for Speed and uh, The Harder They Fall. Uh, of course, and a ton of... Uh, music videos and such that he has uh, done over the years. Day and Night is uh, yep. one of my personal favorites. 
playing the main bad guy in this movie, if you will, Harold Torres as Playa. Uh, you might remember Harold Torres from Memory, 000, Gonzalez, and of course, Silent Night is listed on his IMDb. Still new to the game. Nope. I didn't mind him as... Uh, he doesn't look the same in real life. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. He's got hair in real life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the only other shout-out I really want to make here uh, for bad guys was playing Ruiz Yoka Hamura. That's right. Playing Ruiz Yoka Humara. Uh, you remember him from Dune. He did stunts in Dune. He also was a stunt performer in Sweet Girl and Kate and the Gray Man. As you notice, he's a stunt performer. Yeah. And uh, you know what? He didn't do too bad, but he was uh, super jacked. And, you know, what's weird was during the movie, and I'm not, you know, saying anything bad about it. I was like, he doesn't look Mexican. Yeah. For a Mexican gang member, does not look Mexican. But, hey, that explains why. You look like someone not to be trifled with. Dude, (laughs) I wouldn't fuck with him. Oh, fuck. I I don't find myself most of the time being like, hey, I'd back down from a fight. But that fight, I don't want no piece of it. He was jacked. Jack to the gills. All right. So now that we know who starred in the movie, it is now time to give our spoiler-free thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, or thumbs down recommendation for Silent Night with a spoiler-free wide. Please do not do spoilers. We'll start with Ron, who's already shaking his head. I didn't say which way he was shaking it. Ron, what is your spoiler-free recommendation for Silent Night? Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Okay, I think that's explanatory. <laughs> Diesel, your spoiler-free recommendation. Uh, you, you, you can miss this one. Thumbs down. Um, as somebody who loves a good revenge movie, and I actually do enjoy a lot of the John Woo action sequences in his movies, this movie failed on all counts. <laughs> oh, man, we're giving too much away here, but I'm going to also say thumbs down. Um, listen, I had hope in the beginning of this movie. We'll talk about the rest later on. So uh, we are going to now take a break. When we come back from the break, we are going to uh, jump into our full spoiler review of Silent Night. All right, guys, this is Jill Whitlow from Night of the Creeps, and you are listening to the incredible, vivacious, If you're a Christmas action film, you need Christmas in Hollis. Sure. By Run DMC. So since this movie didn't have it, we're adding it to our show. Uh, there you go, folks. It is now time to dive in to the spoiler full section of the 3FN podcast. And of course, the 3FN movie club review. And of this week, it is John Woo's brand new film. Silent Night. So, folks, you know the drill if you've been listening to us. And if you haven't, here's the final uh, warning. We're going to enter the spoiler zone. Uh, If you have not seen Silent Night 2023, if you will, because I know there's other Silent Nights in the past. If you have not seen Silent Night 2023 and you do not want the movie spoiled, this is time for you to stop the podcast. Go watch the movie. 
and then come back and hear us or wait until the movie comes out on a streaming service and come back and hear us. If you don't care if it gets spoiled or you've already seen the movie, buckle in because we're entering the spoiler zone right about... Now, all right. So as you know, we don't go through the full movie and thank God because I don't know if I remember all of this film, even though I literally saw it less than 24 hours ago. <laughs> also, I want to point out that as we go through, the, we just do the skeleton and then we do our likes, dislikes. Then these two gentlemen will play the game so we can find out all the scores from around the Internet before finally giving our scores. Gentlemen, are you ready for the spoiler full review of Silent Night? Yes. Okay, let's dive right in. Uh, this movie opens up, I'll give it credit, it opened hot. 2023 has been the year of the hot open. This movie did not disappoint in that fashion because we have what we would find out is our lead protagonist running around with a bell in an ugly Christmas sweater. Yep. And he looks like he's worse for wear. Yep, covered in blood. He's covered in blood. We don't know what quite has happened yet, but we know he's chasing down these two cars that are shooting at each other. It's gang, total gang warfare style. And uh, after one car is eliminated by the other car, our hero, if you will, uh, hides behind the wall with a long pipe and smashes into a, the windshield so it crashes the car. And then unfortunately for him... The uh, two guys end up decapitated. There was a really cool kill with the forklift raised up in the car going right into the forklift decapitating the two guys. Really cool kill. I will say that. Yes. <laughs> but then after that, uh, he gets his ass shot in the neck. Yep. Uh, gangster comes out of the backseat of the car, one shots him in the throat, and walks away, and there we are. <laughs> now uh, he wakes up in the hospital. Well, we see him go to the hospital, but he doesn't know. And we see his little surgery, which has got all straight. We still don't know what's all going on. But then he finally wakes up in the hospital with his wife right there. Well, what we presume is his wife, because let's be honest, we still don't know. And a detective had stopped in at one point. Uh, that would be uh, Detective Valles, played by Kid Cudi. And uh, as as finally our hero wakes up, if you will, with a blue jay at the, at the window. All John Woo movies need that one bird shot. <laughs> it is. It is kind of a John Woo <laughs> legendary shot. So now we get to the point where he's kind of rehabbing at the hospital and finally comes home. By the way, we find out technically in the meantime that he this when he got shot was Christmas Day. So December 25th. And it is now January 26th. And he's finally on his way home. And as they come home and pull it, as they're coming home, we find out that uh, for whatever reason, they live in a fucking war zone. <laughs> they live in a war zone. And apparently after all this rehab and all these surgeries, he walks up to his lawn and sees a soccer ball, which reminds him that he has a kid. Yep. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> well, before that, he rips his necklace off when he saw all the, the drug dealing and yeah. stuff going on in the neighborhood. But then we get this flashback of him playing uh, soccer in the in the yard with his kid. And he's very upset as he goes in the house and sees the Christmas presents and the Christmas tree that has been disintegrating for a month now. And uh, he uh, cries and then just uh, starts drinking. Yep. Goes to the room, goes to the back room and starts drinking. And uh, we get the thing that it's two months later. <laughs> so it's April. <laughs> it's April now, and uh, we don't know if he's just been in there drinking the entire time, or vacation comes out. His we, his wife gets out of bed, but his side of the bed is all nice and uh, still put together, so it doesn't look like he sleeps. Nope. Uh, and he's just in there grieving his ass off. And nope. we get the by the way, he got shot in the throat, so he can't talk. And when they try to give him one of those little voice box things, he threw it down like an asshole. With, so without any you know things like showing that like these guys took my voice, I won't let them take my voice type of thing. No, just. No, for 
because we need this movie to be called Silent Night, we are not going to let our actor have the voice box lady. <laughs> so the wife is text messaging him because she can't find her keys. So this is how this is how they're going to communicate for the rest of the movie. Thankfully, it's not a very long interaction, if you it's will. Not, it's not the fact that she didn't couldn't find her keys. She, her keys were hanging on the wall. She was just trying to initiate a conversation with him, and he just said no. See, I even missed over that because yeah. I didn't Cause, care. Because she goes, she goes in the kitchen. She grabs her keys and goes, "Well, wait, hold on." Leaves them there. Goes to the phone, stares at him, sends the text because she's trying to initiate a conversation with him, and all he does is says no, and then she goes and leaves for work. Well, anyways, at that day, for whatever reason, he takes his drunken ass into his uh, his child's room, and that's how we find out what happened. Because finally, he starts having this little flashback of uh, of the incident, which is basically that day, those two people in the gangbanging uh, shootout, they drove by, and his son was an accidental kill. Yep. So now we know his son was murdered. Well, we kind of found that out from the, 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 the newspaper clipping that was what he picked up when he was doing yelling, but we finally saw it, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Uh, so now, finally, after two months of being drunk in this back room, he now gets the integrity to get angry. And we don't know where this anger is going to go at first as he picks up the bike that his kid was on that he got him for Christmas. And we don't know what he's going to do with it because it doesn't show. He just pulls out screwdriver stuff. And the next thing you know, he's buying a fucking Mustang to speed up. And the next thing you know, he's buying a fucking uh, one of those rubber dummies. And then the next thing you know, he's at a shooting range and can't shoot for shit. And the next thing you know, he has the pull-up bar that I think he made out of the bike parts. uh, And he can't do but two fucking pull-ups. And, like, so all of this is going on, and he finally writes, kill them all, and circles it for December 24th, Christmas Eve. <laughs> and he goes to the police station, because he never met with a detective, which you would have thought that the detective would have been more on that, especially since he ran these people down and had a hand in one of them dying. Yep. And yeah. your child is dead, and there would definitely be some follow-up for some drive-by shooting where a child was murdered. They're not just going to be like, oh... He's resting in the hospital. They're going to come see you at some point while you're wake up. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, I don't care how much white privilege may or may not exist in this world. Nobody is taking somebody to a detective's office where they're left alone that they can photograph wanted posters on the wall. Yeah. By the way, do we still have wanted posters in the year 2023? I'm just throwing out there. Mind you, this movie takes place in 2022, I understand. But still, that's only a year ago. I I'm believe sure we do. Those. And I believe they are public... Um, over to the public, the, yeah. so you can just go on online and look at these. Yeah, but instead he takes a picture of them on the uh, the, the detective's wall because this detective just happens to hang them on his wall, yes. which I don't think that happens at all. <laughs> no. By the way, that was a rather large office for a detective in a police station. Oh, just, so just, to, just wait till we get to his house. Jesus Christ. I know. You wouldn't have thought <laughs> at a cop's budget. I don't know. I was, uh, trust me, I, I thought... <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm going to be honest with you. There's a good portion of this movie where I was like, he's fucking in on this shit. <laughs> he's going to turn on. I'm being serious. That, that's, that's that was the more that, logical fucking story, by the way. Anyways, uh, died digress so anyways after we get all of this done he is now hardcore training and his wife leaves him <laughs> i know i'm skipping over some shit but trust me if you mm. saw this movie it's a long-winded for no reason so it's like he's training himself how to drive he's training himself how to stab diesel he, at one point at, at this point he he goes up to like some gun traders and has a wad of cash to buy a bunch of different guns but since his you know hospital stay we have not seen him work Nope. We've only seen him drink and then starting to like come up with a plan and to better himself, but somehow he has a wad. By the way, that Mustang he bought was like twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, just cash. Thing he paid that in cash. He buying guns in cash. Like I I was saying the same thing. Where the fuck is he getting this money from? 
But anyways, so he's being trained. How is he being trained? Ron, is he being trained by an expert martial artist in the hands of hand-to-hand combat? Is he being trained by an expert knife handler? Is he being trained? He's he's obviously buying the best shooting coach of money can buy, right? That's, that's special, how he's being trained, right? Oh, all the way. Why? Because he goes to YouTube. I mean, that's right. The, the, that's where I learn all my utilities. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to become a vigilante off of YouTube, sir. So he basically... He yeah, I became basically, a, a vigilante off of Vine. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, this dude is like literally learning how to use a knife in combat with no no practice, no actual partner, but a dummy. Yep, just the, the, the normal dummy that you always see in all these action scenes, like for the training montages. Yeah. But he's learning how to like disarm the unarmed dummy of a knife. He can't move. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, I, see, I can believe the shooting. He just goes to the shooting range and he learns how to shoot. Uh, anybody can do that, right? I also believe, you know, with the driving. I don't know why he needs stuntman driving, but hey, I get it. If you go out and you practice stuntman driving, you can probably get that done. But uh, my problem is literally hand-to-hand combat with a knife to become an expert in it? Usually in the revenge tropes, you find out the character, I know this will set Ron off, but like, that they had previous experience in this. John Wick. Got out of the life. Law-abiding citizen used to be a CIA operative. Yeah. Um, um, the Equalizer used to be like a CIA yeah. operative. Just something simple to be like, hey, now we can just progress the story. Man on fire, man apart. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. All of them. They, they were, you know, no, a he, specialist in something. You know, even fucking under he, siege. Yeah, he, he is a just a construction worker. Yep, for an electric company. Yep. We haven't seen this much mismanagement in something like this since Nowhere to Run. Yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Where there's no, he was a prisoner. That's all that we know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no reason for him to know all that kung fu. Uh, <laughs> it just anyways, my, it's just wild. So this goes on for way too much long of this movie's runtime. And finally, of course, like any movie, like, so they, they, they took the 80s montage. And, you know, the montage in the 80s, you know, five minutes tops tops and that's some of the longer ones most of them were three minutes or shorter yeah. somehow they took this and they made the 80s montage 45 minutes long and boring with no with no dialogue and not really good music yeah i just want to throw that out there you would think with a movie that's an hour and 44 minutes long that it would at least flow at a good pace oh no 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 <laughs> the training montage like you said is 45 minutes and there is no dialogue during the entire time <laughs> You know, even when his wife leaves him, you have to just, like, you gather that she's leaving him. Like, at first, they're just cuddling on the couch. And you're like, oh, maybe he's getting his shit together. The next thing you know, she's walking out the door with her suitcase. So you're like, never mind. He's getting his shit well, together. Well, they're walking down the hallway like, oh, he's going to get some finally. And oh, then, yeah, because they're walking towards the bedroom. Yeah. I'm like, oh, dude's going to give her the fucking, maybe they're going to make another kid. He's getting yeah. fucking, uh, you know, full of piss and vinegar. Nope. Nope. She nope. leaves. <laughs> she leaves. And basically, that's the last we see of her. No, no, sorry. He creepily stares at her outside while she's fucking uh, painting before he goes on his rampage. <laughs> and then we see her at the end of the movie, which we'll get to. <laughs> yeah, the new boyfriend should have came out of the back room. So mind you, this guy has gotten from April until December 24th, so nine months. <laughs> and he's doing all this training for this one fucking uh, night. And... Somewhere in the show around Thanksgiving time, he finally starts to do surveillance. Yep. So, if so by the way, we're talking about spending money. Now he has this fucking amazing camera that yep. he is taking photos and hunting people down and doing all the things. By the way, when he gives the dossier later on, I know I'm skipping ahead to the detective. How did he find all that information out from the only one time that we see him go out? I mean, I understand the guy writes down shit, but remember, he has all those notes that he wrote previous to the guy he captured. We'll get to that yeah. part, but... Yeah, he, he has a dossier on the criminal enterprises of this one gang, uh, their comings and goings, because, you know, he never talked to the detectives to know which side actually fired the lethal bullet to the kid. 
Yeah. He, he could have been going after the wrong gang entirely. Who knows? <laughs> but anyways, he remembers the tattoo from the guy that shot him. So, because uh, the guy had a tattoo on his head. So, we're getting closer to the day. Literally, we're a day before his rampage. And he's at the local fucking Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever the fuck he was at. <laughs> buying some last minute supplies when he bumps into the gang. Now, mind you. We've oh. seen them doing drugs. We've seen them having sex when the, just in the surveillance. And we know what we know from the beginning. There's nothing else that portrays them as bad guys, except for we know they're drug dealers and they're, they're, they're bad. They're, we're just alluded they're bad guys, right? Yeah, that's, right? That's how it goes. So we now get to the point where he bumps into them at this place. Now, this movie could be over now. He has a clean fucking kill shot. He's got he's got his knife out. He's ready to go. But what happens, Ron? Why doesn't he take the stabby stab at Playa? Well, because he's giving money to the kids. Mind you, he just molested a kid at the front door of this place two seconds beforehand. <laughs> so he should be on a list. But, you know, we're not talking about that one. Yeah, grabs a random child that also had long hair like his child and, and thought it was his. Yeah, and just started molesting him in front of the door and the mother didn't do anything. Like, that would have sent up red flags. And then, but, you know, while they're getting ice cream at the ice cream truck, you know, the drug dealers are handing out money to every all the kids go get your ice cream enjoy 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 and you just can't get it to you know go after them yeah so they uh and he ends up bumping into the one big dude we were talking about earlier and he uh, gets knocked to the ground and then the junkie girlfriend of the the leader dumps ice cream on him and that's how he finds out she's a junkie because that's going to come into play ladies and gentlemen see, see the marks on the arm so now we get to that night. Well, technically the night before. Yeah. So what's he do first? He goes after the money man. He goes and kidnaps the money man, and he bombles the fuck out of that shit because for some reason he leaves the knife right in front of him, which leads to his fight in the house. Hmm. And then he takes what that guy finally, after he tortures him long enough, which we don't see on screen because we see almost an equal fight where we think the guy's dead. Uh, then he t- drops him off as a present to the detective's house with a note. Yeah, with a know. dossier, sorry. And knows where the detective lives. Mind you, like, he has this guy perfectly, like, bound, so he's not getting away. And he lets him go so he can write down, but he leaves the knife on the table, which leads to this fight. And after all this, like, you can tell that he lacks conviction to kill a man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because the, now he's going on his hunt. So now he drops him off, so now he's on the hunt. So the first thing he does is he kind of is, like, using a police scanner to find out about some couple getting fucking robbed, because the police do nothing in this town, presumably. Um, so th- they talk about it, but nobody's there. Mind you, think about it. There's a radio call. He, that's how he hears it over the cop CBs. They're like, oh, we're going there. And you never see a cop even after he does what he does because he comes up and at first he fucking pins the dude against the wall and stabs the... By the way, this is why it's weird. He stabs and rips the one dude's guts out with a knife, which is pretty cool. Let's yeah. get back. Some of the action stuff is cool. I'll give it credit. We'll talk about it with likes yeah. and dislikes. But the other guy's on his roof and he's trying to get in so the guy, he wrestles the gun while he's driving and he shoots the dude on the roof. And then after he sees the blood start to run down and the, he, the guy slides down a little bit so we know he's dead, what does he do, Diesel? Oh, he throws up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He He leans out the door and throws up, and you're like, like you said about losing conviction. This motherfucker is ready to go on a rampage, revenge killing spree. We get him throwing (laughs) up. Now I understand this could be telling a story like Death Wish, because in the original Death Wish, the first time, uh, you know, we we see Paul Kersey kill somebody, he throws up. But that's also because he wasn't really going out to kill anybody. He just had that roll of socks, that roll of quarters in the sock to fuck somebody up, and he was kind of looking for trouble. But you know, he he found it. This motherfucker is has been planning yeah. for nine months about killing, you know, uh, presumably if I had to do a count count in my head, I didn't count everybody. But I, at, by the end of this, I'd say 50 motherfuckers easy die. Yeah. yeah. Mind you, af- right after this, you know, he throws up, but he still, you know, manages to go up. 
there's just a random gang war. Oh yeah, he he runs into a random game war where there's a female police officer pinned down and another cop <laughs> get dead. So he tries to save the 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 woman, and she as he tries to pull her in, she gets shot and killed. But the funny part is he's just driving in circles, shooting motherfuckers and killing them. Well, one of the gang members is literally filming him on a phone, and that video is going to Playa, the head of the drug, like for reasons. And then Playa's like, "Kill this motherfucker." Yeah, grainy footage. The gang member wasn't yelling out "World Star." Totally unbelievable. <laughs> oh, and on top, and on top of that, though, there's no real clear shot of of him driving the car because of the grainy footage. But yet somehow he, the playa, decides that oh, this is the guy I shot in the fucking yep, throat. Yep. It, it flashes back in his mind to the guy in the stupid, uh, ugly Christmas sweater, and he knows who it is. Yep. And um, the worst part, though, with the you know going into the gang war and trying to rescue that female officer, him showing. Showing her getting shot, then him just like pushing her out of the car, doesn't make for this guy to be likable whatsoever. No, (laughs) like why even put this in the movie at this point? (laughs) Well, there's that, but then on the other end of it, you have fucking Playa go tell Ruiz take care of this guy while Ruiz is macheting somebody. (laughs) So you're like, okay, cool, we got the big dude gonna take care of it. But you know, Playa, you think, oh man, this guy's killing people off. I might fucking want to pay attention to this. The stand comes. Nope, he shoots his girlfriend up with drugs, and they're just dancing. Ballroom dancing while she's wearing Christmas lights. And while, while his army is in a fight with this vigilante. I don't care how, what resilience she has, that amount of freaking drugs in that freaking syringe would have killed her. Well, shit, the amount of fucking coke or whatever he snorted would have yeah. fucking killed him because there was a lot. Yep. So anyways, we're, we're, we're sitting there and uh, finally uh, Ruiz and his crew catches up with our vigilante. And our vigilante uh, outdrives them. And eventually, it does lead to a cool scene where the fucking one, the, the gang members in the truck, their car gets turned around just in time for the SUV, and uh, they collide head to head. Yeah. And uh, definitely the guy in the, the, the truck, the two guys in the truck got it easily because the the uh, whole front end of the SUV goes into the truck, fucking smushing motherfuckers. But somehow, Ruiz is still alive, barely. Barely. Uh, we, we see that Ruiz is a badass. So now we go to uh, the uh, gang's hideout, which is this gigantic warehouse. For some reason, once again, cops in this town don't do their job. And they never show us the cops are corrupt. Like, it'd be one thing if we saw some corrupt cops during this movie, hence why we were, like, leaning on that with a detective. Oh, maybe the cops are corrupt. But there's no way that this giant fucking ran-down warehouse that still has neon lights on the top of it, and there's obviously activity going on, isn't just, like, a big, like, oh, that's where their gang thing is. And even in the dossier, it's, like, circled, like, this is their gang headquarters. Like, how the fuck don't the cops know this? Well, well, he had to go on his little uh, scavenger hunt to check out all the dossier and we find out that he's he's there and he's like oh that might actually be their place so we know the detectives <laughs> yeah, but going to be saying, coming in at some point I, I feel like this should have been known from the jump by the cops true so anyways <laughs> so they they call everybody back because they know this guy's coming and playa is still fucking around ballroom dancing so i don't know who's who's in charge here and uh, they're closing down the gay and stuff but there was a motorcycle gang kid that fucking the vigilante had killed brian whatever you want to call him and he uh, takes his helmet and his bike. He slides up under the door. And he starts shooting motherfuckers. He kills a good portion of their gang right in this little uh, uh, like driveway gated area. Yeah. Before entering the building and then making his way up multiple floors, taking out every gang member that he can on the way up. Like I said, there's easily 50 people killed in this movie. Yeah. He sets a little booby trap behind him. And then we find out Ruiz is alive because Ruiz just tackles this motherfucker through a wall. Still, after <laughs> all the things that happened to him, he still has the power of like 10 men. And they get in this little fight, which, by the way, cool death scene. 
when he gets the gun finally, the machine yeah. gun, and he fucking lowers it under his chin, and he fucking shoots him with a machine gun through the head. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I'll give credit to that. Yeah, that was one of the really cool kills. And then the detective, who I thought was a red herring to be the fucking corrupt cop all along, he finally shows up, and he starts helping out. Yep. yep. Just starts gunning down people. He's above the law. He just guns down people. Catches up with them, and they just share this look, because as Ron pointed out, you know, the guy's mute, not deaf. So there's no point in this movie. Does anybody ever talk to the guy who can still hear? Yeah. <laughs> so then we get the, uh, the the girlfriend of Playa blowing herself through the wall with a machine gun. Somehow these guys don't forget how to fucking, like, well, she's reloading and it would be real easy to take her out. These two guys blank on that. Just, no, they... they they no, no, the compassion sh- comes later. <laughs> no, the compassion comes later because after he gets the beat out of his side and puts a gun to her head, he then feels bad because she looks like she's going to cry. But then she shoots his ass and then she shoots the fucking detective. And then he finally fucking <laughs> did, kills her. Like, but so dumb. Before then, they're just tactically going, so they should have just shot her while she was fucking reloading. Yeah. Just makes the most sense. Mind you, they're, you know, ducking for cover. As she's reloading, she is just still just standing right there, not trying to hide behind anything. So they would have had a clean shot if they would have just peeked out and just boom. Yeah. yeah. So now we get into the final room, and of course there's Playa, and this is the worst big boss fight of all time. <laughs> because literally, they, they start going at it. It's not even that entertaining. The detect- as soon as Playa looks like he has the upper hand, the detective shows back up, who's not dead, shoots him, and which is enough to knock him down. And then our vigilante just chokes him to death. Yep. Literally. And not even in a good choking way. No. Like, like just chokes him to death. And then falls next to him. Then the detective comes and falls next to him. And then we get to see the light flash before Brian's eyes. He is staring up at a Christmas ornament. And he has visions of his child. Graduating high school, by the way. Pooh. Yeah, it was the what could have been the ghost of Christmas future. I don't fucking know. Because well, halfway through the montage of that, you see him graduating high school. Yeah. And that was the only future scene you see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Made no sense. So it made no sense. <laughs> And meanwhile, like before he was on the rampage, he goes and uh, sits at his son's grave. Now, he takes this little music box everywhere with him, which I don't understand what that does. But anyways, he uh, he goes to his son's grave and he opens up a present and it's a train. So now, now that he's laying there and, you know, obviously he's dead and so isn't uh, fucking uh, the detective. We go to the graveyard, grave of her son, and there's Saya, and she's in the at the grave of her son, and we see that he set up the train and somehow like hooked up the battery power, something which is possible, yeah. to have the train running around his son's uh, thing. And then she reads the note that he left. He left her a note and a Christmas card. And I and they, this is how they end the fucking movie, by the way. It zooms in on the note. So you can read that it's like, say, uh, I never wanted any of this, and I wish that everything wouldn't have happened that day, but it did. So uh, I might have, I might not be able to ever make it up to you, but at least I can die for what I believe in. Love, I love you, Brian. And that's the end of the fucking movie, folks. Yep. I can't make this shit up. Can't make this shit up. So now that I've gone through the skeleton of the movie, it is now time for likes and dislikes. Ron, we'll start with you. What are some of your likes for Silent Hill? Move oh, on. sorry, Silent Hill. <laughs> Silent Night. I wish we watched Silent Hill. Jesus. Uh, this is how out of it I am. Yeah, no, yeah, to move on. There's no likes. Uh, Diesel. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come up with a couple. So a few of the kills were cool, like the, the forklift decapitation. The Ruiz headshot was actually pretty cool. The pinning a motorcycle against the wall and killing him that way. Some of the kills were cool. Some of the fight scenes, because there is very minimal dialogue in this movie... It actually made some of the fight scenes a little bit better. Not the shootout scenes, but the actual, like, fight scenes seem a little 
more visceral. Okay. That's all I got. <laughs> I, I, I like what you said, and I'll add a like, and this is the only other like I got. Uh, I'll say this. The first 20 minutes of this movie, maybe it's because I'm a father, got me a little bit. Because I'm like, man, if my kid died, I'd be real fucking upset too. Now, I want to be a little baby back bitch sitting out on a porch just fucking getting drunk. Uh, that's a whole other ballgame. I would have moved it, as, as everybody in this room knows, and I'm not trying to be because I'm a tough or hard ass or anything. I would have moved to the anger stage really quickly because I get angry a lot. Uh, there's something you should know about me. But, but I'm just saying, I kind of felt, I'm like, okay, there's a little bit of feeling. They could go some good places here. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't. That, that's my problem. My problem is with this movie, and we're going to get into it more. And dis- Actually, we'll just jump right to dislikes, because I might as well, because I'm here. My problem, my biggest problem with this movie is that, for me personally, I'm like watching this, and maybe other fathers did as well, and go, oh, man, I could understand fucking going through some shit if you lost your child, especially in violent thing. And what would you do? Would you go kill the people? I would. I fucking hunt motherfuckers down. I might not be as successful. I'm not going to learn on YouTube. Like, But that all comes later. My point of the matter is they have this really good story there. We could have found out he was a former fucking SEAL or something and gone the normal route, which would have been perfectly fine. Right. And you could have made a really, really good movie about how he murked these motherfuckers off while he like got the information, right? That's what I thought we were in for. Because I'm like, wow, this first 20 minutes was decent. Yeah. Like, it wasn't great, but it was decent. It was setting the fucking groundwork. And then, like, literally, we go from there into a 45-minute montage that just makes him look like a bitch, an asshole, and not likable at all. And you're just like, and also, is drug out so long that you're just bored. By the time you finally get into the third act and you're like, oh, there's these kills, and I agree with you, there's some cool ones. But outside of that, there's no sustenance to the kills because none of it makes sense. None of it. And you're just like, that's, I think, what pissed me off. Because one of my likes was the first 20 minutes. I'm like, there's a little fucking seed that this could be a good movie. Like, or not, I'm not great, but just a or good just a, revenge movie. Yeah, I, was, I was ready for it. If it was a three, I'd have been fine with it. I'd be like, I got to see some cool kills. <laughs> you know, I got to see, you know. If it was a, like a John Woo, shoot him up, fucking give me revenge, Man Apart style fucking film. I know John Woo didn't do Man Apart. But yeah. still, if it was like that, which Man Apart I like. But, I mean, it's not great, but I like it. <laughs> If it was something like that, dude, we're fucking in. You know, I'm, 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 we're, we're talking about how I was at least entertained today. Yeah. But at, right after that, it just flushes it all down the toilet. So that's my biggest dislike. And I, Ron, dislikes, go ahead. Well, have at like, it. Half the dislike is they treat him like he's deaf. Like, there's, like, they just treat him like he's deaf. Yep. Like, there's not, like, he can't hear anything. He doesn't hear, you know, like, he doesn't hear his wife coming home. I understand he might not have cared, but it's like, he did, like nothing. Like there's movement in the house. Nothing. Like they just treat him like it's he's deaf. He's not deaf. Like what the fuck. Right. And then you, you know you get to the point of like there's nothing likable about him whatsoever. He, 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 okay, I understand you get mad, so you go into depression state. Fine, whatever. But then all of a sudden it's like okay, I quit all this and I'm gonna go do the stop. Like the other thing is the detective shows up in the hospital, leaves his card, doesn't do anything. You know, except it's like oh once he. It's, Two months later, three months later, he's like, oh, here's the detective card. Let me go talk to the detective, even though I can't talk. And he goes and sits in his office. And then the detective sees him leaving and no follow-up. Not like going to, hey, noticed you were in my office the other day. You know, why, you know, is there something I could do for you? Is there some more information you can give me? Like, not even like anything like saying they talked before. Nothing. And then all of a sudden, it's go time. And he knows exactly where these, this group is knows exactly how many people there are there knows exactly where the money is 
knows exactly what they're all doing. Knows they're coming and going to the point where he can set up a makeshift Claymore mine yeah. as a booby trap. Yeah, like, and then, <laughs> and then ends up taking going knowing where the detective lives, which you know obviously this guy does not have any freaking money because him and his wife live in a rundown freaking single. Floor. It's a ranch. It's a ranch style house in the middle of the worst neighborhood in America. Yeah, and it, like he, he, obviously they don't make any fucking money. So where did all this money come from that he could buy all I mean, this? They had stuff? a decent car, <laughs> like they're, not the car he bought, but yeah. the one she was yeah. driving. Yeah, but still. By yeah. the way, what happened to that car? She and takes then, an Uber to leave. And she, then, does she leave the other car? We don't ever see it again. Yeah. I'm just throwing she, it out. Um, she might have sold it to, so she can run a better apartment because she moves into the second really floor. Nice, really, really nice, really nice apartment. Like, hey, I'm doing better than you are. That's why a boyfriend should have walked out of that room because I was waiting for it. It's just been like walked out with some money and been like gave her a kiss and then okay. The movie I was waiting for is the boyfriend to walk out. and He just smirks both of them. Fucking throws one of those, <laughs> throws like a pipe bomb up in that motherfucker. Let's go, and then, fucking guy. Well, mind you, it makes no sense that he kidnaps the money guy and leaves him as a gift for the detective. You would think <laughs> some of your anger would be taken out on the cops for not solving your child's yeah. murder. Well, he, or even investigating it. The best part is that written in that dossier is him talking shit about the cops not doing <laughs> shit. And he even says that to, like, like it says that because yeah. he can't talk, but that's what he's basically <laughs> alluding to to the cops. Yeah. Because then the note, remember the note to the, I'm doing your job for you. Yeah. yeah. Like, what the fuck? It's like, the, but then again, they're teammates now? What yeah. The dude, that cop would have shot him in the back of the head and been like, ah, he did it. He did all the work. I don't know. Now, <laughs> I understand the guy's a criminal, right? But at the same point in juncture, you're not allowed to hogtie and kidnap people and leave them for the police. That's still against the law. Yeah. <laughs> I am fine with going outside the bounds of the law. But the one of my big dislikes is they do nothing to make Brian look like a likable character no. or sympathetic. Whereas when you show the villain giving money to children, you're just like, hey, what's going on with this? Like everything, like I see what they were trying to do. I John Woo might be a hack at this point, but they did it so badly. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to put it this out. I didn't even know his name was Brian until we did IMDb tonight. <laughs> That's how much it's like. It's not even because he can't talk. It's not really mentioned. Yeah. Because after the first 20 minutes, you really just get to a point where every interaction with him is through text message. And like I said, in that 45-minute uh, montage, it's very quiet other than music. Yep. Yeah. Or the noise of the gun or the car yep. or whatever he's doing. Yeah. Very quiet. Yeah. Which yeah. is usually not a bad thing, but it's like, goddamn, guys, let's give us something here. I understand the movie is called Silent Night, but the one character is mute. Yeah, not the other people that are in this movie. You yeah. could have had dialogue in this movie. Like, like when he goes to the gun instruction place the first time. Why isn't the guy who's standing there? Because the guy's standing next to him the first time, like the trainer, and he literally is shooting the ceiling because he can't aim a fucking gun. Why isn't that guy freaking out a little bit? Like, hey, he ooh, give me that gun. Oh well, yeah, and he points he put it at him at one point. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, we don't do that. He doesn't say anything though. <laughs> I, I get what they were trying to do with you know Silent Night. But you, you didn't need to lean so hard on that. <laughs> yeah. Any more dislikes for you, Diesel? All right. So this one kind of triggered me. I, all right. Gatekeeping trauma is really bullshit. So this entire time we're following Brian. Brian, as he's you know going to the hospital, we see his wife, who's also covered in blood, rushing to his side as best she can. And then we see her at the hospital every scene. I felt so bad for this wife who had no voice throughout this movie and you know she just lost her son now she's dealing with having to lose her husband and the entire time like they don't even make her to look sympathetic whatsoever no and it was like 
As a matter of fact, they made her look like a, like a, a raging bitch because she's like, oh, it's not you, just you grieving. Even when she does say that to him, yeah, you're it, not the only one grieving. It's like, no, 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 no. She, she, she's going through some shit because this guy's a, he's buying at this point juncture. He's buying cars and welding shit in the middle of the night. She's the only one that works. Yeah. So the way they treated the wife throughout this movie, I thought was horrible writing, and it really was like got like angered me because it was like i've gone through some stuff in my life where it's like i have people in my life that will gatekeep trauma and it's like that's why i brought up earlier with um him going after the possibly the wrong gang leader because we have no idea which car the bullet came from that struck the kid right the entire time the only person he's hunting down is the person that he saw that shot him the guy was going not because his kid was dead because you fucked me up so and then throughout the movie, when we, you know we got the the gang war, and like he tries to save the female cop, but that doesn't work. Like, why <laughs> even put that in the movie? Like everything that you show of this guy just makes him look like a creep. Yeah, I agree. So we have no likable, good character to root for. Nope. The kid. The kid had it easy. The kid, had, <laughs> the, the kid was and in the kid Cuddy. Kid, yeah, Kid Cuddy. But even then, he doesn't really have anything this likable because he doesn't even... He, has he doesn't no even di- do his job! He, yeah. has, he has barely any lines of dialogue for somebody who is just in the movie. I don't think, like, he's, I don't think he says anything, does he? I'm not... I, I don't think I, he does because he, he walks into the hospital room. The hospital room. He, does, he, does, he doesn't say anything there. He just leaves a card. He walks in with his coffee at his office. Oh, he says something to the person that hands him a uh, file. That's yeah. the only thing he says. And then walks, sees him, sees Brian leave, doesn't say anything. If he has two lines of dialogue in the yeah. whole movie, is something. Yeah. I'm just saying, it's fucking weird, man. Yeah. Well, I think that gets us through because, I mean, I guess we could keep the hate with the you got hate in your heart, let it out. <laughs> but uh, that's not always too, too fun because, I mean, we spend enough time shitting on it. Let's find out what the scores are from around the internet before we give our scores. And you know how we like to do that. Time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> That's right, it's time to play the game. Diesel won back his crown last week. He is your defending champion. Can Ron take the crown? It's simple. The game is played closest to the number without going over, or better known as Price is Right, rules. Except for the final question, which this time there isn't even a Google user's number on this movie, by the way. <laughs> so I have to pick something else. And uh, that's just closest to the number because we don't do ties and it has to be worth two points. So be it because, uh, hey, listen, I make up the rules of this game and we'll play them that way. All right, gentlemen, are you ready to play the game? Oh, yeah. Ron, since you are the challenger, you get to go first. IMDb, out of 10, using points. What did they give? Silent Night. Three. Diesel. One. A three, a one, and Ron gets the point. 5.9 out of 10. Ooh. Isn't that crazy? All right. Next up, Metacritic. Diesel, so it's one nothing Ron. Diesel, you get to go here. Out of 100%, Metacritic. Remember, that's a combined score, a critic score from around the internet. What did they give Silent Night? Just the John Woo factor, f- 55%. One. Ron, we're going with one, and... Ron gets the point, but he wasn't close. It's 53%. You're so close. So, so close. uh, Ron, you get to go first here. And also, also, you could win right here. Rotten Tomatoes critic score. Out of 100%, what did they give Silent Night? 28. 29. Ooh, hedging bets here. And Diesel gets the block. 59%. What? 59%. All right, Diesel, to stay alive. Rotten Tomatoes user score. Out of 100%, what did they give Silent Night? 47. Ron. 
Uh, one. Screw it. He's going for one. It's either going to be a win or a tie. And it's a tie, 49%. Oh. So you're super close, Diesel. <laughs> well, here it comes down. We come down to the final question. And this week, it's going to be the Fandango score. Oh, oh Jesus. Oh. So you guys, this is an unfamiliar character for you. And it's closest to the number. Ron, you have to go first because you're the challenger. What was the Fandango score for Silent Night? 46. 46. Diesel. I'll give you some bug on room. 52. 46, 52. And we know there is a winner. And your winner. And new champion, Ron, 48%. You gave him a little bit too much wiggle room. Because <laughs> he was only two points away and you were four points away. Wow. <laughs> Diesel, a little bit too much wiggle room. <laughs> it's never happened before in his life. <laughs> I, I, I don't know the leanings of Fandango. I don't either. I just, Sorry, are, I'm, I'm literally looking at it. No, here, you're fine. And I, there is no Google score. So that should tell you all you need to know about this movie, but it obviously didn't tell us anything. Uh, so, folks, it is now time that we've given the internet scores. It is finally time for us to give our scores on this movie. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Of course, we are going to first give our nerd score followed by my uh, critic score. And of course, the nerd score is on the nerd scale. And the nerd score is basically a critic score mixed with an entertainment score. So that means if the movie was bad, but it was super entertaining, it can be, it can be given a higher score. If not, uh, vice versa, right? Uh, there's The nerd scale's got five parts and five parts alone. The first part is a one. That means no. That means it's a terrible film that you should never watch. A two means you've been warned. That means it's not quite terrible, but it ain't good. So you've been warned not to watch. A three is, eh, it's good. That means it's a, it's a, it's an average, a good film. Uh, you're not probably going to want to go out and pay for it and see it in the theaters or buy it. But if you see it and catch it on somewhere, you're not going to regret seeing it one time. You're probably never going to rewatch it though. A four is just take my money. These are the very good to great films. These are movies you can go pay to go see in the theater. You can rent them. Hell, you might even add it to your collection and see it multiple times. And last but certainly not least is the rarefied air of Certified Nerd. And Certified Nerd, ladies and gentlemen, is the creme de la creme. It's the legendary films like Jaws, Jurassic Park, and that kind of ilk. These are great movies. You're going to pay to see them in the theater. You're going to pay to see them again if they get re-released. You're going to add them to your collection. You're going to add them to your rotation. And judging by what we said, uh, there's no chance of that happening here. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the scores. Ron, we're going to go to you first. What is your nerd score for Silent Night and why? It is a one. Oh, no. Oh, hell no. Even the kills can't save this movie. Like, it, like it's just even the hot open that, like you said, it was like the first 15, 20 minutes was actually pretty decent. But that the overall execution of this film, and I use film loosely, is... Yeah, no. Like, there's 80s cartoons that are way better than this thing. Ooh, wow. That's a, that's damning. Diesel, it is now time for you. What is your nerd score for Silent Night? Uh, I've been waffling between two numbers, but I'm going to agree with Ron. One. Oh, hell no. So, there are a few cool kills, but it's not worth sitting through. Even though it's a short movie at an hour 44, it drags in all the wrong places. There's no likable characters, and you see what John Woo is trying to do with some of his directorial choices in this, and it just comes off hacky. 
Well, I'm going to say this. This is why sometimes when I'm working out a couple numbers in my head, it's great to go through the review process because then I can actually say out loud. Because when you're thinking about it in your head, you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, you start making differences and stuff like that. When we start talking about it, and as you guys said, and I start jumping in and we're saying this and we're saying that, it becomes more clear. And when I came in, I was like, man, probably going to give this a two because it wasn't the worst movie I ever saw. Then all of a sudden while discussing it, yeah, it's a one. <laughs> oh, hell no. It's not the worst movie I've seen this year, but it isn't good. It yeah. isn't, and, and the reason why is this goes back to what really makes movies a one for me to begin with is disappointment. Like, in this movie is disappointing. It does have a, a decent foundation in the first 15, 20 minutes, and then they just shit all over it. But the worst damnation of it is you could have still salvaged it too with some of the kills and stuff, but I didn't care. And like you said, the hero of this movie is unlikable. Yeah. They vilify the person who is probably the most sympathetic person in this movie. And then they have the worst ending of any movie I've ever seen. Honestly, it's, it's probably the worst movie ending of a movie we've seen this year. And, until we see Silent Night Part 2. Oh, it ain't getting to Part 2, brother. Yeah, I guarantee you it yeah. ain't getting to Part 2. So, uh, with that being said, my critics for this movie is a 2 out of 10. 2 out of 10. I was going to go a little higher than that, but listen, the really only points are coming for that open that I dug, and then some of the cool kills. Other than that, there's no substance to this movie, and there's no reason to ever watch this movie. I wish I didn't watch it uh, to begin with, and I should have known something was up when it was a movie where I literally watched it by myself. I was in a theater <laughs> all by my lonesome. At a primetime showing, too. It was a 720 showing. I should have had at least at least some somebody, somebody else. else on Unlimited. Because right. I have the Unlimited Pass at Regal. At least yeah. one other Unlimited member right. should have been wandered in the theater and gone, oh, man, 50 cents to see a movie? Or if they came in that night free, if you get it at the counter? Yeah. Or part of your pass? Yeah, no, nobody. Nobody. <laughs> or a worker on break? Nobody from break came in and yeah. sat there while they're on. Because that's what happens in movie theaters a lot of times. They eat in one of the theaters. Nope. Nope. That's, yeah. That's a dead not, morning. Not, not even a high school couple trying to get some. No, not even somebody who's like, yeah, maybe this is closed, so nobody's here, so we can sit in the back row and I get a little blowjob. Nope, yeah. nope, none of that. None of it. Or a handy, at least, at the very least. Nope. Not even anybody who wanted to, uh, you know, fucking Paul Rubens, so rest in peace <laughs> in the theater. Nobody, nothing. I know, and at the end of this movie, like, halfway through this movie, I just started pulling the Halloween Ends treatment where we were just talking about it through the whole movie, and there we had one guy in the movie that turned around and looked at the kids that were in front of us, the high school kids in front of us, and asked them to stop talking with a minute and a half left in the movie. Like, dude, this movie was not worth it. Shut the fuck up. Well, if you want to tell us that we're wrong, we're right, or whatever else, hit us up on the social medias or email. You can find all that information at 3fnpodcast.com. Ron, before we go, I believe you have some business to attend to. One out of ten stars. It's bland like drinking warm water. Warning, there may be spoilers ahead. Not like it matters, because the whole movie is rotten anyways, and you better off not seeing it. I really didn't get what kids like so much about this drivel. The main problem is that the characters are not likable, not that they are dislikable, they are just flat and bland like an altered breed. And they don't change it at all, from the beginning to the end. Who's to blame? The bad acting, the mediocre director, or an awful writer? Really, I've seen far better character developments in Revenge of the Nerds. And the story is just dumb. It starts with a good point, a kid with magical powers. Where did I hear that before? Oh, of course, the books of magic. Except for the fact that J.K. Rollins is no Neil Gaiman. But anyway, <laughs> here's an example. When Potter's magic powers first appear, he never seems to be too puzzled by them, never gets scared, nor thinks about using them to extract revenge from the cruel family. Hello, anyone there ever read X-Men? If you suddenly get superhuman powers, you must be puzzled and tempted. 
taking talking about cruel families there can be excellent plot devices green goblin anybody but potter seems to be immune to decades of humiliation um which never never makes sense there is a lots of other bad scenes like ridiculous chess scene remember that scene of attack of the clones that was something mocking described in star wars meets Mega Man. this is similar but even worse there's no suitable reason for this place to exist yet it does even in the rest of the movie was not a disgrace the scene alone would rival would have ruined it any suspension of disbelief that had survived the previous awfulness of this movie was killed at that exact moment bad acting bad directing bad visual effects bad music above anything else the bad writing with all these problems the movie ends up bland like drinking warm water it was absolutely no flavor but it can still make you want to throw up one out of ten stars. Harry Potter just sucks, people. Okay, they're talking about fictional characters. Fictional characters. You literally just treated characters like they were real. I, I, I love the fact that this person takes a movie that was designed for children and is like, no, Neil Gaiman. <laughs> Maybe that's not the target audience for Neil Gaiman works. Just throw that out there. I was going to say, definitely, definitely children are not Neil Gaiman fans. I don't know. I'm down to the really long ones. Like, there's yeah. some that's all like, I've skipped around, but this is all I got left. Well, on the bright side, you only got like what three weeks left, I think. Yeah, I know. I gotta oh, figure. I gotta left. figure this out next year. Your next next year. year's right around the corner. Well, that's gonna do it for this week's edition of the Three FM podcast. Join us next week when the Three FM Movie Club review is going to be picked by our patrons. The announcement will come on our social media on Saturday. And uh, so there's some pretty uh, cool movies from that time layback machine. I know the twins is on there. I know Christine is on there. I know the Grumpy Old Men is on there. I kind of, I kind of room for that just down low. And then there's the adult version of Grumpy Old Men that's on there, Gran Torino. Uh, so there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to work with there, folks. With that being said, though, for myself and the guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later, nerds. Later. Brian was a bitch. Harry Potter just sucks people. Okay.